grow to understand you and your love for them more today. Amen. Amen. So let's, uh, let's walk, single file, walk slowly to kids ministry. All right. So uh, half the church is gone. Now we got the other half. Um, the, uh, this morning, we have the privilege of having Matt and Shido Phillips. Why don't you guys come up, both of you guys, please. Uh, for those who uh, do not know who they are, they are actually our friends. We were on eldership together at Church in the City, which is a church that we partner with. Uh, when I say that we know them, we really know them. You know, it's, it's uh, because we, we've been together, we've prayed together, we've spent time together. So uh, this is part of the reason why we do the things that we do in terms of partnering with churches. We partner with people that we know. We know about them uh, and their marriages and, and how they parent and how they live their lives. And I can say that because we know them, I will tell you guys that you can trust them. Because these two people, this couple... Right? Is that the right way to say it? This couple, uh, they, 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 they love God. They love God above all else. Just the things that we sing about, they love God above all else in terms of how they live their lives, how, how they parent their kids, and, and how they live the, um, live the marriage. Is that the right way? Sure, why not? So you just want us to move on. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, I've asked them to, we've asked them to come and just share with us about what God has uh, put on their heart for us as a church for restoration. So uh, with that, maybe if I can get you to share a little bit about more of you guys and introduce this guy. Don't put me on the spot, right? <laughs> so Matt, what can I tell you about him? So probably the most important thing you need to know is that he loves a cappella, and he actually was in an a cappella group in college. Yeah, there we go. You knew it was coming out. So he definitely has a fun side. Um, he's also someone who really has a heart for the lost and particularly for your church. And so I can tell you that there have been long hours spent in prayer for you guys and just reaching out to God, asking what he has for you. So I know today's word is something that has been born out of that. And um, we live in the city burbs in Sauganesh. So we're not too far away from you guys, but we do love the city and we love the people in it. And we're very excited with everything that God is doing here. So without further ado. Father, I just, I thank you for Matt. I thank you for the word that you've put on his heart, Lord God, and for this incredible church and people that you have brought together in this season for such a time as this, Lord God. I pray that ears would be opened, Father, that your word would penetrate hearts, Lord God, and that people would be set free today, Lord. But above all, Jesus, I pray that your name would be glorified, Father, and that you would be exalted in everything that happens today, Lord God. I thank you and I worship you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you, Shiddle. That was really, really nice. I'm not surprised at all. I'm really not surprised at all. Um, you know, I was telling Hugh earlier, that was a really nice introduction, actually. I was like, what, does he really know me with that kind of introduction? That was, that was really, really nice, so thank you. That, that, yeah, we did. We were roommates for a little bit of time, too. Yeah, yeah and neither of us snore. Neither of us snore. Not, not, not at all. Um, the, um, <clears throat> the interesting thing is, is that I went to Hugh this morning, and before worship, I really felt like I had a prophetic song, you know, for worship. But then I, it was in a rap form because of my acapella days. And so he was like, you know, I think that's a little too stretching. Maybe, maybe you can cool your jets maybe the second time you come in. So I was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be restrained here, guys, okay? But uh, thank you for the grace you've already extended to me. I'm be free. And that's actually what I'm talking about today. How did you know? Oh, okay, it's behind me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you know, I was, um, I, I know some of you here, but I, I, some of you I don't know, and I'm looking forward to getting to know 
the rest of you. Uh, but I did uh, get to meet Anthony and Anne um, in, from Church in the City, and also we, we did a trip together, right? In Mexico, last year we went on an outreach trip. You guys were talking about outreach, and we did an outreach trip to Mexico, and it was awesome, and we did some um, medical outreach and got to meet some churches out there. And everywhere we went, you know, we would um, talk to churches in different communities, and as soon as they heard that Anthony was a firefighter, they were like, un bombero? Un bombero. Un bombero, un bombero, and it would get louder and louder, and there would be this excitement that un bombero means firefighter, and they would, everyone would be really excited. They were like, un bombero, and you know how much Anthony loves the spotlight, right? So, so like, the spotlight was firmly on Anthony, and as, as the spotlight was on Anthony, he was kind of doing what he's doing now, getting a little red, sliding down in his chair, just, you know, thank you for playing along so that you can kind of give them a visual of what, what happened in Mexico, and it was, it was great, and so we asked people, we're like, well, why... Why un bombero? Why, why are firefighters held in such high esteem? And they said, well, you know, um, they have a lot of influence and power, but a lot of the other um, groups that have influence and power, like the police or politicians, they use that for their own personal gain. They you know, accept bribes and, or whatever they have, or they, they use their power to control or exert influence, but firefighters never do. They use their power and influence and they sacrifice for the greater good, and the community lifts them up because of that. And it was interesting because um, that submission can free us. And what we submit to and who we submit to is critically important. You know, when we talk about submission, it usually has a bad connotation, right? We think submission means weakness. It means like you're under slavery, you're, you're under like servitude, you're under somebody else's power and authority. But what we realize is, is that that's true if we're submitted to ourselves or definitely if we're submitted to the world or the enemy. But if we're submitted to God, it's actually freeing and it can transform our lives. And that's the word that I felt God had for, for this church today and for people individually. So what we're going to talk about in the outline is why should we pursue submission or meekness, how we can embrace submission, what we can practically do to submit to God, and signs of submission. And we're going to start all the way in the beginning. Genesis 3. You see, the oldest trick in the book, the good book, was did God really say, right? That's the oldest trick. That's what Satan first went to Eve with. Did God really say this? And actually, as he came to Jesus and was tempting Jesus, he said, if you are God, this, like sowing doubt was the first. But Eve knocked that one out of the park, right? She said, she said but the Lord has said, I, we can eat any fruit except this fruit. And so she used the word of God to defend her against the oldest trick in the book. But the second oldest trick in the book was, if you eat this, you will be like God. Why should you submit to God when you can be like God? And the second oldest trick in the book got her and got Adam and led to a lot of heart, heartache and turmoil and things of that nature. And that's the second oldest trick in the book he also used with Jesus in Matthew 4. And he uses to us. Even now, if you think of our culture, everyone was nodding when we said, yeah, submission has a bad connotation. Meekness has a bad connotation. The second oldest trick in the book. The second oldest trick in the book. This world tells us that meekness is weakness. That we are weak if we submit to anybody. But what God said, what, what happened in, um, in Genesis 26 later on is he shows us that through Abraham, that God uplifts those who submit to him. When God is talking to Isaac, he said, I will multiply your offspring as the stars in the heaven. I will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What Hugh talked about, every, he wants every nation to be blessed. And that heart is the heart that God has for people. And he says, because Abraham, 
your father, he's talking to Isaac, obeyed my voice, kept my charge, kept my commands, my statutes, and my laws. Abraham was submitted to him. When we think of Abraham, don't, isn't there the feeling that you kind of want to put him on a pedestal? Like, oh, we couldn't be like Abraham. But what Abraham, Isaac did, we couldn't be like any of those people. But God says the only reason Abraham is Abraham is because he submitted to me. He just listened to what I said and obeyed it. So by doing so, he, God is also saying that all of us can be like Abraham. And not just Abraham, when we look at Numbers 12, uh, 3, uh, God says that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. And he used it to free a nation. See, a, uh, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He could have used his strength and his power to try to free his people, and he did. He tried that way. He went in, and he, it led to the death of an Egyptian soldier, or overseer, and he had to flee for his life. But when he submitted to God, God lifted him up. God freed his people, and he, he, uh, Moses didn't have to kill one person. You see, all throughout the Bible, that was the same example of Daniel, of all the prophets, of Jesus, of Peter, of John, of Paul, everyone who submitted to God was lifted up and exalted the highest, highest authority. And the greatest example of that is Jesus. The greatest submission the world has ever seen is Jesus, right? We see that in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. We're going heavy into the word because I don't want you to just think this is my opinion or my perspective. This is biblical. It's all throughout the Bible from Genesis on. We see Christ Jesus who, though he was in, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture of God submitting himself to be human like us, but not just human, but a servant. And then to suffer death, even death on a cross for us. And then to be lifted up to the name above all names, to be on Jesus' uh, right-hand side. You see... Jesus, that same Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, the meek will inherit the earth. You know, our culture has taught us that meek means weak. It doesn't. It doesn't. If we look at the original Greek, it says meek is actually translated prahus. And prahus means, uh, the term meekness is to make a horse into a battle horse or to tame a horse. So they would go up to the mountains, they would find wild horses, and they would tame them. They would, they would make them meek. They would meek a horse. And the, the strongest of all the horses, they would make into war horses, battle horses. And they would use their power, but their power would be under control. Instead of thrashing around, they would be focused towards what, wherever the rider would take them. And you see there's a picture of a, of a bucking bronco, and that's where the enemy would have us. Still strong, still created in the image of God, but bucking about wildly, thrashing about, submitting to our own desires, our own flesh, submitting to the world, submitting to things that are never going to get us anywhere, or we could be submit to God, and God, we could be that powerful war horse. See, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks started doing this, and then the Romans adopted it, and an empire was built because of this. From Alexander the Great to the Roman Empire, all the way through uh, even modern times. Alfred Lord Tennyson talked about war horses in his, his uh, poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade, 
where he talked about these men who were on their horses charged in even against cannons. And they won a battle, the Battle of the 600. They charged through. And that was the thing about war horses. Even if arrows are flying, and spears are flying, torches were going, and even cannons going off, they went charging through. They weren't afraid of anything they saw around them. They went charging through, and 600 overcame cannons and gunfire, and they won that battle against the Cossacks. And so much so, it was so legendary that Alfred Lord Tennyson, one of the greatest poets, wrote The Charge of the Light Brigade. Friends, couldn't Jesus, what could he do through us? What could he do to us who are submitted to him? You see, the enemy wants to tell us that, that we should submit to ourselves. Don't you want to be in control of your own destiny? Don't you want to be your own master? We could submit to our own minds, right? We could do that. But how much greater is what God can do through us? Because our mind is so limited. I mean, if you think back, when we've submitted to our own minds, our own bodies, our own souls, our spirits, our, our everything of us, where has that gotten us? When can you look back and say, oh, you know, I, I was going to do this and I just did it better than I could have ever imagined. But how many times when we've submitted to God and trusted in him, has he gotten us to a place that we would never would have thought we would be? Right? That's the story of the whole Bible. Ordinary people like you and I, they just took God and, at, at his word and they saw what he could do. So how do we do that? How do we submit? Because it's great to say, yeah, I want to submit. But if everything in our world and our culture is teaching us not to submit, then how can we practically do that? We see there were several things that, um, that the Bible tells us that we can do. And I want to be honest. A lot of these things I've struggled with and I still struggle with. Because sometimes I've thought that this is legalism. It's like, okay, reading the word every day, oh, is that just legalism? Fasting and praying, you know, I'm not trying to please God. Jesus has done everything. Prayer, you know, God knows my heart. Why do I have to pray, you know? Tithing, that was for a different time. You know, the Sabbath, you know, wouldn't it be more productive to use seven days instead of six, you know? But then I realized that that was my mind, that I was submitting to my own mind. I was convincing myself that I didn't need these things, right? But if we submit to God and his word, we start seeing something totally different. You see, Eve knew what was up, right? When Jesus, uh, when uh, some Satan came to her and said, did God really say this? She used the word to say, God said this, and it defended her against the wiles of the enemy. When Satan came to Jesus in Matthew 4, and he tempted him three times, every time he said, if you are the son of God, why didn't you do this? He responded with verses from Deuteronomy. He didn't have the Bible with him. He wasn't holding this big manuscript. He had the word in his mind, and he repelled the devil with the word of God. You see, it's kind of like a sponge, right? Let's think of a sponge. Anyway, everyone's probably used a sponge at some point in their life, right? And if you spill something and you sop it up with a sponge, when you squeeze the sponge, whatever you sopped up comes out. If you spill milk, you sop it up and you squeeze the sponge, milk comes out. You sp spill Coke, you sop it up, you squeeze the sponge, Coke comes out. When the world squeezes us, what's going to come out? What comes out of us? It's going to be what we put in. And what I've personally seen is being in the word in the morning and evening, it transforms my mind, it transforms my thoughts. And when the world squeezes me, and I guarantee you it will, if it hasn't already, that's what comes out and that's what the world needs to see. You see, that's a way that we can submit our own minds to God and we can see what he can do with that. We can hear from God, we can move through God and, and, and impact think people powerfully. That's what Jesus did. And fasting, we submit our bodies, our appetites to God. 
You see, when Jesus was going into the desert and the Spirit led him into the desert, he knew he was going to have to face these temptations by Satan. And I would think, if I didn't submit my mind, that I should eat a lot. I should get really strong to go into that battle, right? And Jesus did the exact opposite. He fasted for 40 days as he goes into this epic battle. But he was submitting perfectly to God, even his own body. And that's how God lifted him up. See, when he repelled the enemy with, in that submitted form, the angels of God ministered to him. That's what I want. That's what I want for all of us. I want God himself to minister to us and to send his angels to minister to me and us. We also see that in prayer, submitting our soul. In Luke 22, 42 to 44, it talks about Jesus right before he's going to go and um, sacrifice himself on the cross. And it said in Luke, who is a physician, that he, sweat, he uh, even sweat blood because he was in such anguish at that time. And he said in, in, in Luke, he said, um, Lord, if it is your will, please, please take this cup from me. See, even Jesus in that anguish point said, God, would you please take this cup from me? But then he said, not my will be done, but your will. He even to death on a cross, he submitted himself, even to the point of bleeding blood. You see, there have been accounts. Leonardo da Vinci had accounts of soldiers going into battle who would sweat blood when they knew they were going to die. There would be accounts in concentration camps where people, knowing they're going to die, sweating blood. And it's only in the most extreme of anguish, when our soul is in anguish. And to know that Jesus felt that way. He knows what it is to be in utter anguish and yet submit himself to God. We can also submit ourselves in tithing, submitting our treasures, our finances. See, this also, at, at, at one point, didn't make sense to me. I thought, well, hey, how, why did the Israelites give their best to God in order to then have multiplication? They would take their perfect lambs, their perfect goats, and sacrifice that. Why wouldn't they take the speckled ones? And God said, no, don't take the speckled ones. You know, this is not, this is not Darwin, right? This is not natural selection. You know, this is not like, let's get rid of the speckled ones so we can have the perfect lambs, right? Because that, that's what your mind would say to do. But we saw something totally different. They would take their perfect lambs, their perfect sheep, sacrifice it in a burnt offering to God, and God would bring multiplication. That's what happened to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, everybody. He gave them, multiplied their lands, did something that they could never have done on their own. That they took God at his word and sacrificed and submitted their wealth to him, and he opened everything up. In Malachi 3.10, God specifically says this. This is the one time in scripture that God says, test me in this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't open the storehouses of heaven so that it's overflowing to you that you can't even contain it. I've seen that personally, and I don't know anyone who's made the, the sacrifice of tithing and not seen the blessings of God. Not that we do it for that, but it's a way that we can train ourselves to be submitted to God. And when we're submitted to God, God blesses us. We can receive the blessing. He wants to bless us. He longs to be gracious to us. But then we can finally receive it from him. And the Sabbath, and this is something that actually, to be honest, only recently I've, I've really embraced because I've really struggled with this because, you know, I work full time and I'm um, involved in the church and things like that and kids, have two young kids. And it just makes sense to me that, hey, I have, I have seven days. Seven is better than six, you know, in terms of getting work done. But what I've seen is all throughout the Bible in Isaiah 58, 13 to 14, God says, rest, submit a day to me. And see what I'll do. And I found myself so much more productive. 
than if I was working seven days in a row. I find myself focused and getting ideas that I would have never had before. And I know those ideas are coming from God, where it changes the way that I practice. You see, I've seen, I've seen this personally in my work. So I, I work as a physician, and I work with the sickest 5% of patients. Okay? And we know that in America, the sickest 5% of people account for 50% of healthcare costs. So 50% of all healthcare costs is from 5% of people, the most broken. And healthcare doesn't have a solution for that. I'm just being honest. Every day that you hear healthcare reform, we need healthcare reform, it's about do we spend more money or less money? Nobody has a solution. And when I see these people, I see the same things that affect all of us. They're so burdened. They're so weighed down by, by choices they've made or the path that they've, they've tried to go down. They've tried to be in control of their own destiny, and it's led them down a path of brokenness. You see, some of my patients, they have pains all throughout their body. And in Proverbs, it says that bitterness is like a grinding in the bones. And it's some of my most compassionate patients because they see the brokenness all around them in their families, and they carry that burden for their families. They're so weighed down, they really feel it for everyone else. But they just carry that burden. And that's not helping their families, but it is breaking down their own bodies. And one of the things that we do is we tell them that they can lay those burdens down at the foot of the cross. I haven't gotten in trouble yet by telling them about Jesus. I've tried to follow the Holy Spirit. And, but I've seen God minister powerfully to those people, and I've seen them be set free. You see... Jesus says this in the word in Matthew 11. He says, come to me all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't say take no yoke. He says take my yoke, submit to my plans, and see what would happen. And you know what I see with my patients is a lot of them don't realize that they're, they have a yoke, that they have anything going on, that they're, they're burdened by anything. And sometimes there are believers that I see, and they pray and they say God reveals things to them. But even then, some of the believers don't, don't realize that. And so we do this little exercise, okay? And it's actually, it actually works, okay? It's going to sound silly, but do you want to do this exercise with me? Okay. Just going to take, do we have to do three more minutes to talk about this? Yeah. Four, even four minutes? Okay. That's very generous of you. Very generous. Uh, so if you can close your eyes. Okay? Okay. Now, I want you to think about the thing that you're burdened by. If there's something that's really weighing down your heart, there's something that's really been bothering you. And allow God to bring a picture to mind. Let's see if a picture comes to mind. And if there is a picture that comes to mind, if you could just raise your hand. Okay. Great. Okay, you can open your mind. Uh, like open your eyes. And open your mind, sure. You can open your mind too. <clears throat> you know, we gonna, if, if God has given you a picture, I would love to have you come up after service and if we could pray through that picture, okay? You see, all throughout the Bible, God says he, spoke, he speaks to people in dreams, in visions. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them had visions. Isaiah had a vision. Daniel had visions and dreams. Ezekiel, all these people had dreams and visions. Paul, Peter, 
John, everyone had visions and dreams. In, the, in um, Joel 2, it says, in, in those days when I pour out my spirit on all people, your young men will, uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So all of you who saw visions, you're, you're young. You're young, okay? And, um, and the great thing is, is that sometimes we need to shut our minds off and just allow God to speak. You see, sometimes our mind is just going a mile a minute, and we're, we're just trying to figure things out, and we don't even know we're doing it. And when we quiet our minds, God is able to show us something. And just like he speaks to us in dreams, right? Has anyone here had a dream that they feel like God has maybe spoken to them with or just a really vivid dream, right? Well, when we sleep, it's surprising, but you actually have to shut your mind off in order to sleep. And so God can get a hold of that and he can, can give you a picture. And I would encourage you that if you're having dreams, especially vivid dreams, to write those down and see if God may be sharing something to you through those times. So what we do is I would do this with my patients and they would say, Doc, this is silly. This is, doesn't make any sense. And I'll say, okay, just tell me what the, the dream is, or what the vision is. And so I had the 72-year-old patient a few weeks ago, okay? He's tried every medicine, multiple health conditions, and he has pain from his head to his toe, and he's debilitated by that. And I said, okay, well, what was your picture? He said, oh, I saw this red volleyball, like this red ball. And I was like, okay, well, can you make it a little bit lighter? Can you make it yellow? And he's like, no, I can't make it yellow. I was like, can you make it a little bit lighter red? He's like, yeah, I can do that. And so as he closed his eyes, we just made it lighter and lighter and lighter red until it was this white volleyball. And I said, well, can you make it a small baseball? He said, yeah. And we're praying as, as we're doing this. He made the baseball, and I said, what's in the distance? And he said, oh, I saw the mountains in the distance. I said, can we take that baseball and just go have it go over the mountains? And he said, yeah, it's gone. And I said, okay, open your eyes. Do you feel any different? He's like, my pain is gone. My pain is completely gone. And we were praying beforehand, and we've prayed together before, and this guy debilitated. He was laughing and joyful. And um, at the end of the, our visit, we talked about other things. He's like, the pain has come back 20%. I was like, well, you know what to do. God can minister to you when you let him do that, when you submit even your mind to him. I had another person who was like two weeks ago in his 40s, really struggling with a lot of things, including mental health issues. And we did this, and he said he saw this big black trunk. And he said it's too heavy to, to lift. I said, well, can you make it a little bit lighter gray, like dark gray? And then he kept making it lighter, and there was this white trunk. And he made it smaller so he could carry it. And I said, can you open the trunk? And he said, opened it. I said, what's inside? He said, it's pictures of my uncle. It's like, well, like, are they good pictures? He's like, yeah, they're happy pictures. And he said his uncle was like a father figure to him. And 20 years ago, he passed away suddenly, and he felt like he could never say goodbye to him. And he said in that moment, he realized that he had been grieving his uncle's death for 20 years, and he'd been carrying the burden. He was like, you know, I go to his, his grave every month to pay my respects. And he said, you know, I, can't, I didn't want to come to the visit today. I just felt really bad. And he said, something happened as I was doing that, that thing, and I saw the picture of my uncle and it was happy memories. I just felt like I could say goodbye to him. And he said, it's like this weight has just come off my shoulders. And he's, he was laughing, and he said he's felt this joy in his heart that he's, he hasn't felt in a long time. And I was just, you know, if we could just, I know it sounds like a small thing, but if we can just try, if we can give God an inch, let's see what he would do. When we take steps to submit to God, let's see if he won't free us of burdens that we didn't even know we were carrying. You see, the enemy doesn't care if we submit to him. He doesn't care if we submit to ourselves. He just doesn't want us to submit to God. Right? We can submit to anything. You can submit to your boss. You can submit to your family. You can submit to this culture. But just don't submit to God. And that's all God is asking us to do. 
if we just take that step, let's see what God would do. Now, as we do that, as we're submitting to him, the sign of submission is you'll see a natural outflow. You'll see in Matthew 28 when the Great Commission happened, and Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always at the end of the age. God is always for us. You know, I used to see evangelism and outreach as another burden to carry. I was like, you know, I'm going to just do my part. I'm just going to, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance here for you, God. And I'm trying to please you, God. So I hope you're watching because I can do this for you because you need me to do this. So I'm going to do it. And it was this heavy yoke and I would never enjoy doing it. And then I would get shot down and I'd be like, ah, God, I hope you appreciated that because that's all I got out of this. You know, I was like, who are you even doing this for? Do you think you're doing this for me? Do you think I need you to tell this person to do this? Don't you think I can speak to them in a dream or a vision? Don't you think that I can give them a thought radically and radically save people like Paul? He said, no, this is your privilege to do this. But you see, we can only do it if we're free. Only free people can run freely and to a world that is desperate for him. That's what umbumberos do. That's what the firefighters do. They're free, they use their power, and they run into burning buildings, and they save a world that is desperate for them. So there's no pressure, right? As I'm sharing with my patients, I don't feel this incredible pressure to share with them. But when I feel the inkling of the Holy Spirit, when I feel like this person is desperate for this, how am I going to go past them and not do that? You see, in Acts 4, I mean, sorry, in Acts 2, Paul, uh, uh, Peter said that that time of Joel is now that the Spirit has come down or your sons and your daughters will prophesy and um, you will give your young men visions and your old men dreams. And then in Acts 4, the, the rulers of that time said, charge them never to uh, say the name of Jesus again. And they said, judge for yourself. Is it better for us to submit to you or God? You see, sometimes there are times where we have to submit to people like our bosses or you know, other people around or things of that nature. But always think, if the Holy Spirit is leading you somewhere, what is the highest authority that you submit to? See, if God is asking you to do something, let's not have fear of man. You see, fear of man is just submitting to people. How much more would you rather have fear of God? That if God is asking you to do something and you're thinking because of people you don't want to do it, well, then you're just submitting to people and you're not submitting to God. You see, there are all these signs of where our heart is, where our submission is. If we don't want to read the Bible, if you don't want to, if you don't want to pray, well, then maybe you're just submitted to something else. And maybe those are the times we need it the most. Yeah. So that's all I have for today. But I do want to end with um, uh, just a quick summary and then a prophetic picture. Uh, as we're thinking about this, let's think about uh, the, the key points of receiving our freedom by submitting to God, practicing our submission through the word, prayer, fasting, tithing, Sabbath, submitting our burdens before God letting us be free and seeing that joy well up in our hearts and free us and then reaching out to a world that is desperate for him, which is a sign of submission. And if I can call my wife up, she had a prophetic picture for you guys. I actually also had a picture for um, the lady that was sitting next to Anne. I don't know. Is she in kids' ministry? Okay. That's fine. I can share it. Anna's, I don't know. Maybe. If, like, I don't want to mess up, but... Um, 
Yeah. So uh, just for you guys as a church, um, I was praying for you guys, and I had a picture of an ant. And it's not a really cool thing to be an ant, but the things, the thing that's fascinating about ants is that they can carry 50 times their own weight. And it's not something that breaks them. It's not something that squashes them. They just have an incredible capacity to carry things that are heavier than themselves. And I just felt that God showed me that picture of an ant carrying like bits of bark and bits of leaves that are so much heavier than itself. And I felt God say that restoration, it's you carrying my heart. It really, it's you guys having the ability to carry the heart of the Father, which is something which is so much greater than our own heart. It's so much bigger. It's so much more weighty. But he has specifically designed each and every one of you that are part of restoration to have the capacity and the ability to carry his heart, the heart of the Father that goes to the lost, that goes to those who are difficult to love, that goes to those who we feel are so much further away from God than could ever come back. And I just felt that it's something that he has gifted you with is that incredible ability to carry his heart into the city. That evangelism and outreaches are wonderful and they're a way of reaching people. But the reason why you do it is because you have the heart of the father and you have the heart of the father for the lost in the city. That your heart breaks for people who don't know Jesus because you know Jesus and you want them to know it too. And I just felt God wanted to impart more of his heart for the people to you guys today, both for yourselves, but also for those outside of these walls who are yet to come and meet Jesus and yet to experience the fullness of what it is to be led by such a good father. So I just wanted to pray that impartation for you guys, if that's okay, Hugh. So Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that if you just maybe open your hands to receive, that you would come and bring your heart, Father, your father heart for the lost and the broken, Father, for those who don't know you, Jesus, who are so far from you, Lord. I pray that you would give them your heart, knowing that it's not going to crush them, Lord God, that it is something that you have equipped them to bear, that it is something that you have equipped them to carry beyond these walls, Lord God. I pray for those who feel like they've lost sight of your heart for them, Lord Jesus, your incredible love, your compassion, Lord, your protection, Lord, that you would give them a new revelation of that, that revelation of your heart for the individual in this room, Lord God, and how you want to expand that throughout the city, Lord God. Thank you for the way in which you have gifted this church with incredible capacity, Lord God, incredible capacity. That size is not what gives them strength, Lord God. It's you. And thank you for the way you have equipped them to carry your powerful, mighty heart, Lord God. And it's because of their size that they can carry it, because they know the power comes from you, not from their plans, not from their programs, Father God, not because they have tons of money to throw at things, but because they have the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father. May they be known for people that carry your heart, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.